Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Never run behind Bo Jackson was the lesson I learned my fourth game into my NFL career. I think legitimately he clocked like 409 or 440. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. What a Sunday night of football it was. Welcome to week three. Berteram, big show today. Amazing conversation with Tim Brown taking you through his Raiders tenure. Bo Jackson stories, Al Davis, a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, But your Chiefs, buddy, blowing 11-point fourth quarter leads. Are you a little nervous there? We're going to get into it. I'm not, but I might be if they if they don't get it going. Their defense is atrocious. All right. There's a lot of quarterback stuff going on around the NFL. Are the Packers back after a big Monday night win? Aaron Rodgers uh, angry at the media. We got a ton to talk about. And what the hell is going on with the Jaguars and the Jets and their starting quarterbacks Panic and my guy Sam Darnold rolling. Stag in the box. Week three starts right now. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. All right, Vernon Ram, you're Mr. Chiefs. Y'all lose to Baltimore. Sunday night football, the whole world is watching. I was personally stunned. I thought even when the Chiefs got the ball back late, of course, I thought they were going to win the football game. Didn't turn out that way, though, pal. I, I can honestly say... <clears throat> I wasn't stunned. I, I was – I thought going into the game, the Chiefs would do what they usually do with Baltimore, which is get up on them, force Baltimore out of the run game, and then slowly kind of constrict their, their offense. And the Chiefs got up, but they never got up by enough where Baltimore had to abandon that run game. You know, they were usually up by a score, and then Baltimore would come back, and they'd, you know, they'd make, it, make it really tight. And, you know, look, the, the – obvious swing point of the game was when the Chiefs had, I think it was a 35-24 lead in the fourth, like you said, and the Chiefs had the ball at midfield. They get great field position. All they got to do there is is drive 50 yards, which for them is nothing, and jam it in the end zone. The game's over. And Mahomes throws probably the worst pick of his career. I mean, when you factor in just the play and the situation, but I don't put it on their offense. I don't even put it on Edwards Alaire. Like, I get it. If he doesn't fumble, they probably win. Butker's nails on every, on almost every field goal he ever attempts. They can't stop anybody. I mean, at some point, like, you have to get off the field. They are giving up over 500 yards a game right now. So, 
you know, to me, like, stop him. Stop him. But I, I give the Ravens a lot of credit, man. So, All those injuries, banged up offensive line. I thought Jackson was one of the best games he's ever played. Give him a lot of credit. They found a way to win. They made yeah. all the plays. There's no one more fun to watch and in, on one particular play when he's doing what he does best than Lamar Jackson. It is in the NFL right now. He is the most exciting, most electrifying, most like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just made that cut. And, oh, by the way, you're insanely fast, too, uh, and you'll do a flip into the end zone when you don't have to just for a little extra. I mean – those quarterbacks are never built to last, but it's 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 borderline amazing that he's made it this far, right? I mean, really. Look, I don't like I don't think he's a great stereotypical quarterback, right? He doesn't he doesn't he's throw not. the ball amazingly well. I mean, everybody's going nuts. Look, he did not throw the ball particularly well in that football game. I mean, he he made the throws he should have made, but he threw two picks, one of which wasn't his fault. The pick six, Watkins fell down. The other pick was a horrible throw into triple coverage, but. He's very, very hard to defend. He is he is singular in his unique talent, and that's why he is, in my opinion, a top ten quarterback. I mean, well, well and I, and I give John Harbaugh just a ton of credit. No, you doubt. have a you have a guy like that. Most coaches, particularly the one that I watch every week in Chicago, you try to box him in. We can't play like yep. this. It's 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 no it's doubt. too unconventional. Whatever BS they would come up with. This is not the offense that I came to run in the NFL, Matt Nagy. This is my, you know, they don't do that. And then and even and then Harbaugh's, you know, clip with him, hey Lamar, 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 you want to go for it on the fourth down in, in their own territory. And Lamar says yes. Even that, like, I'm not trying to be Johnny Genius, like you guys go for it. He leans on his players to in the biggest moment. I, I John Harbaugh's awesome. Flat out John awesome. Harbaugh is a great coach. I think he's incredibly underrated. I would say, and I'd say the same thing. They lost that game. Look, I will say, I don't think that was a hard decision though to go for that there. If you punt the ball to the Chiefs, you're probably losing, right? Like it took a miracle to get the fumble. Which, by the way, okay, I don't blame Edwards Alaire for losing that game. I really don't. Like they couldn't stop anybody the entire night. That's on their defense. You give up 36 <laughs> points, you're the reason you lost. That being said, on that play, you have to know the only way you're probably going to lose this game is you fumbling. And if you watch that play, he's got the ball with one arm. It's off to his side. And Oa, who makes a nice play to knock it out, really didn't even do that. Like He kind of just slapped at the ball. It wasn't like he punched it out or he put his helmet on it. it look, it's the first time he's ever fumbled in his NFL career. So everyone can make a bad mistake, even in their worst moment, right? But it's the kind of play that you go, what are you, what are you doing? I mean, how do you not have two hands on the ball there? Like, even if you lose two yards, who cares? doesn't matter. Like, just don't fumble it. Um, well, you know, hold on. It, hold on. No, go ahead. A go ahead. Couple, couple things there, because you said multiple times already. I'm not blaming Edwards Alaire. And then you just went into a detailed description of why – uh, you borderline are wondering if Edward Solaire was on the take because of the way he was holding the football. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I also heard that on the Arrowhead Attic podcast, which you do a phenomenal job on as well for just your Kansas City Chiefs talk with Patrick Allen, I heard you went nuts on Edward Solaire after the game. You were in full meltdown mode. Is that not accurate? I, I, would, I mean, by my standards, I do not believe that's accurate. No, I, 
No, if you go back, if you listen, if you're a Chiefs fan, you haven't listened to that podcast, I don't blame you. But B, if you'd like to have some um, cathartic uh, moments, look, if you go and watch that, I, I destroy, if I went into a meltdown, it was on their defense, who just could not have been bothered to play football. Do you know that that defense is the second highest paid defense in the NFL? Only the Patriots pay more money than their defense. Like, there's this thought out there nationally that the Chiefs don't care about their defense. That's bull. Like, Kansas City has invested an ungodly amount of money in their defense. You wouldn't know it. Frank Clark, at this point, should put him on a milk cart. Nobody's seen him in weeks, right? Maybe even years. But they have invested the money. Like, I'll, I'll put it this way. If I had to place blame by pie chart, the defense is at least getting 80% of it for me. At least. I mean, Edwards Allaire deserves some of it. He fumbled the ball. If he doesn't fumble, they get a shot to win it. But, you know, you, you also get these dopes out there who are like, well, you know, if the offense had scored on one of those couple drives in the fourth quarter, it's like, yeah. You know what else? If the defense didn't give up a touchdown every single time Baltimore had the football down the stretch, they also would have won the game. So, look, at, I don't blame Edwards Allaire nearly as much as I do the defense. He made one mistake. They made about 50. You got me thinking now about the all-milk carton team, which you really have to – be paying attention to your football team to know these things. So yeah. I, I mean, but I could tell you Chicago bears, all milk carton team, Robert Quinn, since he arrived in town, I mean, he showed up this week with a sack and I think all of Chicago is like, who the hell is 94? Cause we hadn't, hadn't seen him for two, for an over a year plus St. Khalil Mack in Chicago has been on the all milk carton team. And so has Eddie Jackson. They both flashed this week and the bears went over the uh, Bengals. No, Frank Clark is, is working on a first ballot um, induction. <laughs> I mean, look, he was, I will always say he was worth the trade and the money because he never would have won the Super Bowl without him. He had an unbelievable playoffs that year. And I, I firmly believe if he's not there, they don't win. However, in the regular season with Kansas City, even though he's made Pro Bowls both years, how I have no idea. Even like he has been a complete non-factor in like three quarters of the games he's played in the regular season. He's done nothing. He's he's just the most look, he's not terrible in the sense of like he he can he can set an edge. He'll have you know, seven or eight sacks, but for an $104 million player, he's been, he's done nothing by those standards. So look, that said, to put a ball in this game, I think Kansas City, if they can fix the defense, I think they're fine. Like I, I don't I don't think losing to the Ravens is any long view problem. Like it's so what? It's the hardest road game they're gonna play all year long. It's fine. You played Cleveland, you played Baltimore, you're one on one, you're healthy, it's okay. Their defense is a catastrophe right now. And it's talented. I, I do think they will fix it, but they have to fix it because that thing is a mess. And for Baltimore, just for the record here, it's a very interesting one-and-one. One. You certainly can make the argument you should have beaten the Raiders, uh, yep. and, and, you're, and now you're 2-0 with a win over Kansas City, albeit at home, but still impressive. You got, you're playing at Detroit, uh, tougher game with Denver, but then you got the Colts. You have the Chargers at home. You get the Bengals home. They have a three-game homestand. Miami looks like crap. Uh, the Bears suck. You know, they, 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 they Baltimore could go on a run right now. Uh, they could. I mean, like, they're really banged up. I, here's my question with Baltimore. I think Baltimore is a good team, and I think they're extremely, as we've already mentioned, extremely welcome. The question I have with the Ravens is do these injuries just catch up 
as the year goes on. It's a lot of guys to be missing. You know, it's the NFL. More guys are going to get hurt. And the, the other, the, the smaller question I have, that Kansas City game, just the way the Ravens played it, the way they reacted after the game, that was like their Super Bowl. I mean, they they have had so many issues beating Kansas City over the years. They win. You just wonder, like, was that one of those games where they were just up for it through the roof and they just can't sustain that level of play? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. But I give them a hell of a lot of credit. They deserve to win the game. They made the plays at the end. They're they're gonna kill Detroit this weekend, and then you go for then you go to Mile High, which we're gonna get into Denver here in a little bit. I think it's an interesting game. I'm just looking at that division. I mean, the the Steelers. You you beat Buffalo, huge win on the road to start the year. Then you lose to the Raiders. Uh, Cleveland. You had Kansas City beat on the road, and you handled the Texans. I mean, right, and the and the Browns have the, the Bears this week. And then Cincinnati, you, you you have a win that you didn't – the Bengals clearly look like the worst team in that division. I think that's um, yes, easily well uh, decided two weeks in and even before the season started. You want to take a look at the NFC East where you've got maybe the worst team in football? I don't know. In the New York Giants? You're, no, you're, God, no, they're not the worst team in football. The, well, have you seen who they who they share a stadium with? That that's a fair take. We're gonna uh, get to them in a minute as well. But my I, God. the only reason the only reason why I would uh, perhaps make an argument for the Jets is it, Zach Wilson. You can't get any worse, can you? Um, You're gonna so, challenge him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I gotta tell you, he might take you up on it. Yeah. Well. It, it's been ugly, and and the guy Sam Darnold in Carolina is doing well, and the New York Jets organization is just f- straight up on blast. But uh, if Washington's one and one, the Cowboys are one and one. Dallas could very easily, by the way, that could be a two and zero team. They, they they play the Bucks incredibly tough, and then they get a win over the Chargers on the road. Uh, I don't know. What's what's your sense of the East? Because right now, I think that uh, if you're if you were sitting there before the season saying, "I'm telling you, the Cowboys are back," you feel pretty good right now. You know, I kind of look at Dallas's first two games like I look at Kansas City's. You could make a really compelling case it should be 2-0. You could equally make a compelling case it should be 0-2. Like, they could have very easily lost against the Chargers. Herbert throws a pick in the end zone. He takes that ridiculous, like, 20-yard sack that I know people say shouldn't have been a sack, but then it would have just been intentional rounding, so the, the end result's the same. I don't know, man. I You know what? I think Dallas is the most talented team. But do you believe in Mike McCarthy? I don't. Like, I mean, can can you really look at him and say, yeah, yeah, he, he's going to get the job done? I don't know. You know, I, the Giants stink. The Giants, by the way, welcome to 2021. Like, no team in football plays more like it's 1987 more than the Giants. The, the reason why I would say Dallas, who's even remotely in Prescott's league in that division? Nobody. Oh, God. No, no, no. So that, that that's where it's like, yeah, okay, fine, Mike McCarthy, whatever. But when you have the best quarterback, uh, maybe maybe you can overshadow. I mean, he did. I mean, when Mike McCarthy was in Green Bay, people – at least for the, the better part of his tenure there, they thought the dude was great. And then, then it, of course, fell apart in the end. So I don't, I, I don't know. The only, the only caveat, I don't know what to make yet of Philadelphia. 
You know, they, they kill Atlanta. Then they come home. And it was a very bizarre game against San Francisco. 17 to 11. There was one drive the Eagles had where Hurts hits Quez Watkins for a 91-yard catch, and they didn't score a point on the drive. They they tried a Philly special on fourth and goal. It was insane. Did not work. Um, You know, it was weird. Like, if you looked – if you now, I hate when people do this, but I'm going to do this for a second. If you take out Hurts' 91-yard throw, just for a second, the rest of the game averaged four yards in attempt. So, I I don't know, like – what to make of him. He was excellent against Atlanta. He had the one big throw against the Niners. But other than that, did nothing. Was not good other than one play. Um, their defense has been very good. But now Brandon Graham tears his Achilles. It's a huge loss for them. I don't know what to make of him. Like, but I think they're at least decent. Like, I think they're at least like a seven-win team, which I didn't think before the season. The refs also took away a, a huge uh, touchdown play where – uh, Rieger stepped out of bounds. That's w- another thing. But here, here's my message for the Eagles. Uh, look, I get it. You're playing Jalen Hurts, and you're going to do that. Your best quarterback's on the bench. You want you want to win this year? Get him out there, baby. Minshew? Yes, yes. I like Minshew, but I don't know, man. That might be a bridge too far for me. I, I'm I'm going there. I am I am walking I am walking down that bridge with uh, my shirt off and even my pants off. Play. Well, then I, that's a bridge that I hope is close to the public. Let's go, Gardner. If Jalen Hurts gets hurt, which is possible, I suppose, because he's a quarterback in the NFL, perhaps even likely. That's a very dangerous job. Uh, I, Gardner Minshew will roll in Philly with that team. Whenever it happens, I'm just, I'm, I'm just. Okay. Uh, that's that's uh, just a little. I, I'm forever in on Minshew until for until I'm given a reason to not be all right. Hey, we got um, Ben Heisler coming up in a little bit here with place your bets. We're going to look at the Bengals and the Steelers, uh, the chargers, the chiefs, Seattle, mini Tampa Bay and the Rams, which is going to be a great game. The Rams are one point favorite in that Packers, San Francisco, super interesting this week. And even for the drama, the Eagles and Dallas should be a good game too. But, uh, and we've got Tim Brown coming up as well, but let's do uh, into the future. So we're, we're looking at the Panthers, the Raiders, and the Broncos. Of those three, who do you think is for real? Of the three, I think the Panthers are the most for real. I picked them as a wildcard team on our preview show, and I'm sticking with it. I don't think they're going to win the division. I don't think they're very Tampa Bay stretch. But Darnold looks kind of like that Tannehill-esque situation, right? Like, hey. I'm not stuck with complete garbage anymore. I'd say better. Yeah, I, like I, playing yeah. very well. And we both talked about it because we both felt the same way. Like has weapons, offensive-minded head coach. Oh, look at that. He can play football. Stunning. So I like them. I'm not overly impressed with their wins. I mean, the Jets stink. And the Saints are, I think, going to be about a 500 team this year. So it's not a bad win, but it's okay. They'll kill Houston on Thursday night. Um, you know, they're going to have some tough games ahead, but if you look at their schedule, they don't play a lot of teams that you're like, man, that's, that's really going to be hard. I mean, you got the Falcons two, two times, right? You, you then also draw the AFC South, which, excuse me, you don't draw the AFC South. They're playing the AFC South this weekend. They are drawing 
the AFC East, which other than Buffalo, three very winnable games in that, that slate. Of course, they already played the Jets. Like, I think Carolina get to 10. The Raiders, I think, are better than I thought. Like, I thought the Raiders would win, like, six games. Now I kind of think they're going to win, like, eight to nine. The, the problem I have is everything's gone perfectly for the Raiders, right? Like, Carr is out of his mind. Max Crosby looks like Bruce Smith. His, like, I, I've been around long enough, Carm, to just know, like, usually guys become what they become over the course of the year, right? Like, guys become what they are. If you're a, if you're a, a 260 hitter your whole career – and you hit 370 in April, it usually means in some month you're going to hit like 190. It just does. Like That's kind of what happens. But I do like that they've beaten the Ravens and the Steelers. I think that gives them a real leg up. Denver, to me, I got to see way more. You're beating the Giants and the Jags. I don't care. You get the Jets next, you'll get the 3-0. But then you got a lot of tough games. You, you do, but you also have a ton of winnable games. Let, let's look at Denver a little more closely. Okay. Jets, 3-0. Yeah, Baltimore at home. And for everything we just said about the Ravens, Vic Fangio, scheme and form. I don't know. that You can win that game. At Pittsburgh, what are the Steelers? I'm not sure. Feels winnable. The Raiders at home. At Cleveland, tough. But then you've got the, you got the NFC East, Washington, Dallas, Philly. The Chargers, okay, fine. Tough game. And the Chiefs twice in the back end. But you also have Detroit. Cincinnati. I don't know. There's there's a lot of there's winnable games all over the place for the Broncos. There are. Here my concern is again, the my old like my my thing I just said about being a 260 hitter. Teddy Bridgewater's entire career has been kind of like a guy. And when they play Baltimore, when they play Pittsburgh, I feel like that's going to be a problem. Like that's going to be you're going to have to do like big time stuff. I don't know if you can do it against those types of teams. That's fair, but also the Broncos have not had a guy like for a while now. And so now these have to have a guy, which might be enough. I guess, I guess also we should clarify. Like, I don't think Denver's going to win six games. I think Denver and the Raiders are going to be about an eight to nine win team, which Denver, by the way, that's exactly what I thought they'd be before the year. The Raiders, I thought would win about six. So I've improved, you know, they've, they've, they've changed my outlook on them, but I don't think either team is like a contender. I, I just don't see that. I, I think, they, you want to argue they could be the seventh seed in the AFC? Okay. But if I'm looking at the AFC, so, all right, so somebody has to win the South, okay? Kansas City to me, unless they get hurt, even with this defense, Mahomes will drag their worthless asses to 13 wins. He just will. The, you know, Buffalo is the best team in the AFC East. The, the North, Cleveland, is, is better than either of those teams. I think Baltimore is better than either of those teams. So if you're doing the math, you got Buffalo, those two, somebody in the South, the Chiefs, I think the Chargers are also better than both those teams. So that leaves one spot, right? Like, now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe one of those teams just shocks and they win 12 games. But I I think I think that's a big ask just based off the rosters. The Raiders give them a lot of credit. I just feel like that's one of those things like everything in the world has gone right, including that Monday night game where they should have lost like eight different times and somehow won the game. So – that's where I land on. That's fair, but I, and just a, I just want to throw a bow the way of Derek Carr. Every time I put the Raiders on, the guy's playing great football. He's underrated, man, and that I, that is one hill I've died on forever. He's a good quarterback. Like I always hear people like, "What about Baker? What about this guy?" I would take Derek Carr over Baker Mayfield a thousand times out of a thousand, and, and not just because he's two weeks. Like I, I've always felt that way. 
Um, Derek, Derek Carr can put, he can throw the deep ball. He's got nice touch on, on the underneath ball. He's he, for the most part, it's very rare where you look at him like, what the hell are you doing? Right. Uh, so I, yeah, I just a little, little, little bouquet your way, buddy. Derek Carr's been playing excellent. And, uh, the Raiders are interesting. Go John Gruden. So you believe yeah. in all three of these teams? I really do. Like I think that they they're all they're all. I'm not. I'm certainly not selling. Uh, of the two and O's, and I and I, uh, I I picked them. I I have them in the playoffs. But like you look at Arizona, tough. To, that you know the Niners are out well here, man. Like that. This is going to be. It's just it's just such a tough division. So like if I was going to punt on a two and O, I probably I might pick the Cardinals. Um, right now more than, more than anyone else, even though I, uh, and, and also like the whole built to last thing. Right. I mean, Kyler is super fun, but is he going to sustain, can he actually stay healthy? And then you got a lot of old guys over there too, but here, let, let's move on and, and take a little peek at uh, Tua and Miami. Uh, the Dolphins just getting absolutely annihilated. I picked them this week, which was a nightmare. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm three and seven in my pool here in 18th place of, among Chicago media, which is super freaking embarrassing. Uh, but I just want to throw out that the Dan Hampton, the hall of famer picked week one and went one and four Carm went two and three this week, Verderam. So I am, I, I, I slightly improved, but, uh, what do we think here? Tua now hurt and has it distinguished himself. And you're asking the question, will he be with the dolphins next year? I, I don't think like this is even a difficult question. No, I, I really, like, has anyone watched him play this year? Not last. Of course, in week two, he got hurt. He played a, I think one series. Oh, I actually watched me. I, I saw that series, but man, he looks awful. And their offensive line stinks. Like what? I, I'm not just saying it's all on him, but we all know the smoke that was around them this offseason. And now you come out of that offseason, they beat the Pats largely because the, the Pats fumbled in the red zone at the end of the game. He did not play well in that game. It was game managing to the hilt. Comes out, they're playing Buffalo. Buffalo is bringing like these like slot corner blitzes off the left side, which to a siege, he's a left-handed quarterback and he's just getting pummeled. Like, sees these guys coming and he's just standing there and getting blitzed to death. I, I don't understand what's happening. Now he's hurt, which I'm not, you know, it's not his fault, but he's hurt. Uh, he was hurt a lot in Alabama. So that's a concern. And we'll see if he plays this week if, or it's Jacoby Brissett going against the Raiders. I, I don't know. I got to tell you, if I'm the Raiders, I'd, I'd rather it's Tua. I really would. I would far rather see Tua. Like, Brissette, I feel like, is actually borderline competent. And I don't know that Tua is. I really feel like I wanted to see him come out this year. I wanted to see, okay, had a full offseason, normal offseason. What has he got? He, I, I get it. It's early. He, he, just, he does not look good. The first time I saw him throw the football in, the NFL, in an NFL game, I was like, I don't think so. That was my reaction. So, I mean, you can play unorthodox and be good, and, and first impressions can be dead wrong. But – I haven't gotten past that with him. Uh, ben Heisler's coming up in a second here. Uh, so, but we got two more. Actually, I'm sorry. Tim Brown is coming up in a second. Then we'll get to our bets. Uh, let's let's just do uh, two more topics and in into the future, though. Which NFC West team do you like the most right now? Uh, and that is a very interesting question that you are proposing here, Matt Bertram, because I don't know. I Listen. I'm willing. I'm in on Seattle. 
I'm in on the Rams. I think the Cardinals are super interesting, and the Niners are playing great football. And we got three two and O's and one one and one, and everybody's got a positive uh, point differential. The Niners a little sloppy this week, but they got to win. So I pick Seattle for the year, and I'm going to stick with them because I still think they have the best quarterback, and and their their team is more than good enough to win 12 games, whatever. Right now, it's the Rams. The Rams have played the best. Uh, they they annihilated Chicago and then went on the road and beat a pretty desperate Indianapolis team. Stafford always worries me a little. Like there's always a little bit of that 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 just YOLO game, you know, with him. Like he'll throw a ball where you shouldn't throw it and get picked off. He did it once against Indy. But I think they're the best team right now in the division. Um, this is a big test against the Bucs this week. They are, and you mentioned it earlier, they're a one-point favorite on WinBet, which, of course, is our great partner. On other books, they're a one-point underdog. So the line's all over the place with them. They opened as a one-and-a-half-point favorite almost everywhere. Uh, but I think it's the Rams right now. I think it's the Rams. But I, I still do believe in Seattle. And, look, you got to give Arizona credit. They're 2-0. But I'm kind of with you. Like, they, they should have lost to Minnesota. That was a ridiculous game that, of course, the Vikings found a way to lose because they're the Vikings. But, like, I don't know if you're a Cardinals fan. You come out of that game feeling fantastic. No, it's a tough way to win. Uh, we're not relying on kickers to miss 30 some odd yard field goals at the end of games is not sustainable. Uh, and you also did it against the Vikings. So that's further plays in the Arizona concern. I don't know. Like the, the Rams for those who went out on a limb, very, not a huge limb, but who were like, I'm telling you the Rams Super Bowl. Carm, I was in there. You're feeling very good about it, but I don't know. Garoppolo's is just super interesting, man. He he looks great, and then he just looks incompetent. But yet they win when he's on the field. So I, I think the the, the San Francisco love. If you're if you're on that train, you, I think you feel fine. If you're the Niners right now, you know you can play a lot better. Uh, speaking of the other train, Jaguars and Jets. Who's more worried about their quarterback right now? I think that's a no brainer just because of Trevor's pedigree. Uh, neither of them look good, but Zach Wilson. I, I tell you, yeah. The only reason I'm going with the Jets should be more worried is because of the pedigree. Because Trevor Lawrence has been awful. Awful. And I got to, you can make the argument that you should worry more about Lawrence. He has a, he has a better group of weapons around him. That's true. And the, the offensive lines for both teams are not great, but I would argue Jacksonville is actually slightly better. He has been hideous. I saw a stat there that I don't know if I think it was pro football focus that 36% of his attempts have been uncatchable. That's impossible. Like 36%, which is the highest in the league, by the way, 36%. It's more than every other. It's more than one out of three. I mean, so you've got that. He's got, he's got as many picks as Wilson. So five picks. Now, again, I think there have been more high end throws out of Lawrence that I've seen as well. And his pedigree does speak to, okay, look, he he can do it, right? Which is why my answer is the Jets. But he's been hideous. Now, Wilson, I wrote about this in Stack in the Box. I'm going to give a quick, very quick rundown as to why I think they are in major trouble with him. He was great at BYU last year. He was he was great for one year. I remember talking to the to to league sources in the per, in personnel departments about him coming out. And there was a general thought among some that I'm worried at BYU that everything was perfect. He had a great line, really good run game, and he played one really good season. He comes out, 
And what do the Jets do? As only the Jets can do. Here's a 34-year-old offensive coordinator, Michael Ford, who's never been in OC. Here's a defensive-minded head coach who's never been a head coach, and Robert Sala. So both those guys are learning their own jobs right now. Then you've got Wilson, who has absolutely nobody behind him who's ever thrown a pass in the NFL. Nobody. So Belichick, who gets him to throw four picks and a half of football, right? Wilson's going to the sideline. Well, who the hell's helping him? Who's there to support this kid? Nobody is the answer, by the way. Their line stinks. He has no time to process anything. Meanwhile, in all these other spots, Jacksonville has C.J. Beathard, Trey Lance with Garoppolo, Fields with Dalton, and Foles. Say whatever you want. How have the Jets not traded for Nick Foles? Like, give up a seventh-round pick and just help this kid. But the Jets can't be bothered because they're the Jets. So I think this thing's only going to get worse. But I'll tell you right now, he is going to have a rough day in Denver. That is a brutal spot. I, I think you're spot on, and the proof is in the pudding with the Jets as far as Sam Darnold again with what he's doing and how they're supporting quarterbacks. And sure, trade for Nick Foles, who, I by the way, I can make an argument should be starting for the Bears this week if Andy Dalton can't go. If you're sorry. Try, trying to uh, protect Justin Fields, which by the way, we have to talk about our bet here because if he if, if Fields starts, I think our bet is null and void. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I believe it's a snailmake. Yeah, yeah, which is but, tragic. It is tragic uh, because I had it, but that's okay. Uh, the, the reason why also with Lawrence, like the, the one throw to Marvin Jones in the corner of the end zone, yes. we haven't seen that from Wilson. Like that's really, it. Like, that's like, right. Uh, okay. Here's, here's, okay. There's the flash play. And so it's there in theory, uh, but we uh, look, you see scuffling along. All right. Let's uh, let's bring our guy, Tim Brown in here. This interview is awesome. So um I hope you stick around and, and check out Tim, the Hall of Famer, Heisman to the Hall of Fame, Heisman Trophy, of course, at Notre Dame, and a Hall of Fame career with Z Raiders. Um, we should note this was done before week two games. So that's, that's true. If you're wondering like why we don't talk about the Raiders beating the Steelers, or anything, it, was done, it was done prior to the weekend. But that does not diminish this interview. Tim oh, Brown great. coming right on up on Stack in the Box. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. The College Football Hall of Famer, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Heisman Trophy winner. Hey, Tim Brown, when you look back, what award, I don't know how many times you made the Pro Bowl, what stands out as just, you know, I am really proud of that. By the way, great to see you. Thank you for doing this and being on Stack in the Box, our NFL podcast, and talking to Fan Sided. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, I, I think for me, man, you know, um, obviously, the Heisman is a uh, remarkable award to win because you are the only one that year that's getting that award. But I think when I look back over my career, the consistency of being able to, uh, you know, go to nine Pro Bowls, you know, to, you know, do the things I the 10 years, I, you know, catches and, and yardage and all that stuff. 
you know, coming off a major injury my my second year where, you know, doctors showed me that, you know, maybe three, four years you got on this knee, man. Go use that Notre Dame education and get ready for life out the football when you're 23 years old. Uh, to be able to play 15 years after that. And um, I could I, I didn't miss, I, I shouldn't have missed the game. That was one game they held me out uh, because of a hamstring issue. But, uh, but basically playing 15 years um, after that, you know, it's something that consistency, man, is something that I'm very proud of. Now, can you, just for people who don't know, I mean, your second year, you mentioned that you had a, a big injury. Can you talk about that injury and what happened and, and how, how really – it's it's a borderline medical miracle that you were able to play as long as you yeah. did as well as you did. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I was on a kickoff return. They opened a game of the year, man, and um, you know, tried to make a cut and uh, ran into a linebacker <laughs> coming full speed <laughs> on the kickoff return, and he literally just demolished me. And uh, when you see it on on film, it really doesn't look that bad. It doesn't look like. Uh, but if you concentrate on my knee, my knee did a couple of little tricky things, man. It went in and back and uh, tore my medial collateral off the bone and the posterior cruciate just, just exploded. So um, so that surgery they, had, they hadn't done before. The doctors were saying, the radio doctors were saying they hadn't done that surgery before. So um, they literally brought my hamstring down and wrapped it around my posterior cruciate and made a a little knot, <laughs> and that's why they were saying this may last three years, you know, maybe four years, but uh, you know, you better get ready to uh, use that edu- education you got. So, did you do a different rehab than people were doing at the time? Well, you know, that was one of the things. You know, I had been rehabbing for a couple months and really wasn't getting any better. And uh, the Raiders, you know, probably for the first time in their, you know, existence, went outside of the organization uh, to a facility in in, uh, in L.A. And I remember this guy literally cursing out the trainer. Like, you know, are you guys stupid or what? I mean, don't you know what an injury, you know? And they were treating me like a like an ACL and not a PCL um, injury and, that that was the big issue. So once we started with this new new routine, I mean, literally in a month's time, I was back out running. Um, you know, I still had a little bit of a limp because of the uh, um, the inability to really uh, flex my knee. Uh, but at the same time, I was I was doing that without pain, which was uh, you know a good step for me because before I had been in a lot of pain trying to do anything. You know. I'm curious your thoughts on on your Raiders, who won on Monday night, one of the craziest games I've ever seen. What was that like <laughs> as a former player for the Raiders watching that game as it unfolded? Well, you know, I was there, you know, sitting up in the booth with uh, with the commissioner, and it was um, uh, it was really uh, heart wrenching, man. You know, because you know only the Raiders can lose a game that they won. You know, <laughs> and that was the thought after they after the interception is. You know, the touchdown I got called back, get the, the false start, do you throw an interception? And and now the Raiders are about to lose a game that they just won. So uh uh just put that in with the with the tuck game, with the with the uh uh the game way back in the day, you know, with Sabler throwing the ball, the holy road, whatever. Just put that in there with that one, because I mean, here we go again. Um, so I mean, you know, it was it was pretty interesting, man. I, I was really happy to see this young football team 
fight through that. And, uh, you know, defense come out and make a huge play and, um, and you know, get, get this team in a position to win the game. But, I mean, even then it wasn't easy. It looks like they were going to kick a field goal. For some reason, they allowed the clock to expire. And now they don't, you know, they don't want to kick the field goal. They, they come back and, you know, throw a touchdown. It, it's just a crazy game, man. But I think it's a great sign for a young football team um, that uh, has had a chance, or had a hard time, I should say, uh, winning uh, uh, tough, close football games like this. So John Gruden makes a little news here, Tim. He said that Daryl Waller is the best player he's ever coached. <laughs> hey, hey, I texted him. I said, well, you know me and Jerry going to eat you up about that, but just deal with it because you deserve, you, deserve, uh, you deserve after that. But at the same time, uh, look, man, um, this kid, Darren Waller, is is a special talent, without a doubt. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, when you look at his background and where he's come from, what he's overcome to be where he is right now, I mean, it, it is truly, truly special to see him doing the things that he's doing. Um, so I told Gruden, look, man, whatever you have to do, whatever you have to say, because uh, I know you don't really believe that, but <laughs> but whatever you have to do and say to keep the big man rolling, please do it and say it because um, you know this kid could uh, could end up in a in a good spot you know at the end of his career if he uh, keeps on his pace. You think the Raiders have the right? Is Gruden still rightfully? I don't know. Should he be in this seat, Tim? Is what I'm trying to ask. Look, man. Um, you're probably never, ever going to get me to ever say anything bad about John Gruden because if not for him, I'm not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, what he did for my career, he didn't have to do. He could have very easily say, hey, look, man, I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to fight with Al Davis about you. I'm just going to, you know, hey, man, trade you, move on, and uh, make this guy happy, make my job easier. Uh, but he didn't do that. You know, uh, after watching film on me, he thought that he could get more out of me. And um, and I told him that it's going to be a problem if you do that. But he chose uh, to, to fight through it. And um, because of that, you know, when he got to the Raiders, man, I had 40, 45 touchdowns in 10 years. And, um, you know, his my four years with him, I scored another 45, you know, almost 50 touchdowns, got me in a position to get to 100. And, um, you know, that just would have happened. So, look, I, I, I know people say that he is, you know, out of touch or whatever. I, I don't understand that because the offense has not performed bad since he's been there. You know, I mean, they've had some injury problems with the wide receiver position and uh, young guys playing that spot. And that's a very, very complicated offense, man. I don't know if you notice how many shifts and movements and all those kind of things that you're doing all to run a, a simple dive play, you know, but he's, he's doing all this stuff and, the, and you got to be in, in touch with, with what's going on. And if you're not, you know, it's not going to set up a play that he's, he's got set up for the third quarter that he's trying to get set up in the first quarter. So um, I, the offense is complicated, but I think they have performed well in his time back uh, when they had players out there. Um, so, you know, I, I think, I think all that is going to work out. Yeah. So Tim, when, when Gruden got there, he was kind of boy wonder comes over as a you know former offensive coordinator from Philadelphia. A, what were your first thoughts of him? And B, do you have a Gruden story that when you think back, you kind of just laugh about and go, yeah, that's Sean. Uh, yeah. Well, look, the, when the first time I saw him, 
I walked right by him because I didn't know who he was. I mean, he looked like he was 18 years old. He was only like 34 at the time, but, you know, he's a short guy, had the blonde hair, you know, the blue eyes, and he looked like one of the, you know, the the, the guys helping around the facility. So I, I I knew he was a new guy, but I was like, what's up, bro? <laughs> and I walked by, and he let me walk a couple steps. He said, oh, that's how you're going to treat your new head coach? I was like, whoa. I mean, you look like, you know, I mean, the hired help around here is up and not the head coach, but I couldn't believe how young he looked. So, I mean, uh, look, I, I, yeah, I, that's a story that we talk about all the time. And um, he immediately brought me into the office and, uh, you know, started talking football and showing me film, film of me that he had been watching. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's all in when it comes to that, that stuff. You're, you're not the, the first player in, the, in NFL history, Tim, to not necessarily always – be in line with upper management or the owner of the football team. I know, I mean, in Chicago here, there's a lot of Chicago bears who don't see eye to eye with uh, the McCaskey family, but like, you know, looking over your right shoulder, there's the Raider hat. You just talked about how you, you know, you were at the opening game. They're, they're playing in Las Vegas now, uh, mm-hmm. but, but it was never easy with you and Al. Um, I, I'm curious, like how that love is just, just there for you still that, that you didn't become bitter towards them at all? Um, you know, it, it was never um, a love, a love, a loving relationship, but it was never a bad relationship, if that makes any sense, you know. Um, you know, I just was not one of Al's guys, you know. But when you look back on it, Fred Belitnikoff wasn't, Marcus Allen wasn't, Howie Long wasn't, you know, the Stork wasn't, you know what I mean? I mean, so I'm in a long list of Hall of Famers who who, who wasn't this guy. And man, look, I uh, uh, that motivated me during during games and through, throughout my time with the Raiders. You know, it really motivated me because I kept saying, you know, if I did this, then I'm going to be one of his guys. If I did, if I do this, I'm going to be one of his guys. And that never happened, but it kept me going on a plateau like this, you know. And, you know, I can remember when I was inducted into the um, um, to the California Hall of Fame uh, after the NFL Hall of Fame, uh, Mark Davis was there. And and I I just I, it was about 400 people in the room. And I said, hey, well, you other 399 folks, this speech I'm giving is not for you. I'm talking to one guy and that's Mark Davis. And I and I and I said to him, look, man, I didn't get it. I didn't get it years ago. I didn't understand. You know, I kept fighting it, trying to understand. But I realized, you know, what your father did for me uh, was was the best thing, was the right thing. Because I don't know if he would have ever put his arm around me and say, Tim, let's go out to dinner. Because that never happened in 16 years with the Raiders. I don't know if the if I if I level off. I don't know if I even start going down because now I feel as if I made it. You know what I mean? Now I'm I'm sitting with the man, you know. So, uh, but um, so I just went on to explain to him, man. Look, I I apologize if I ever seemingly, you know, disrespected your father, but that was never the the plan for sure. But at the same time, today standing here, I I get it. I understand, and I I'm appreciative of what he did for, did for my career. Does it does it ever bother you that you feel like you were never one of his guys? I mean, it seems like you were the best player on that team for at least a decade. Um, and I know you mentioned other Hall of Famers, but when you look back, obviously now Al's been gone for a decade. Does it does it bother you that you were never one of his guys? Uh, no, I mean, like I said, it, it did up until 
I got it. You know what I mean? I mean, once I realized that, um, man, what would have happened if he would have done? Do you do you know, Tim, what would have happened? And I couldn't answer that question, you know. So I, I think from that standpoint, you know, I was, uh, you know, I, I felt bad because, you know, my wife was on me that I didn't mention Al in my Hall of Fame speech. And, uh, you know, I, and I, I, I couldn't understand why she was upset about that, you know. Uh, but uh, again, I didn't get it until I got it. I couldn't couldn't speak on it. But once I once I got it, you know, I was able to speak on it. But no, I mean, I, I was never, never bothered by it because, again, you know, Fred Belindikoff was my coach for 15 years with the Raiders. So, um, you know, he did an incredible job going, man, just keep playing. Just play the game. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? So so, so that uh, that helped me out tremendously. Tim, I know you're you got a new thing you're you're working on, or at least I think it's new. Uh, H to H. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm surprised I don't have any memorabilia or something around here, but uh, yeah. So we, um, when I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, um, when I was literally on my way to go do my speech, uh, one of my buddies from from Dallas, uh, old country guy, came up to me and say, Tim. Do you realize you only the ninth guy to be uh, uh, be a Heisman Trophy winner and be inducted into the Hall of Fame? <laughs> and I was like, Lee Shaw, man, look, man, I, that can't be the case. I know there's about 25, 30 guys who, who have done that. So, and literally on my bus ride over to do my uh, my 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 enshrinement speech, I Googled it up, and Google hadn't updated me, so it was only eight guys, and I was I was literally shocked that. You know, there was only, you know, eight guys who had done that, and I was going to be the ninth. Charles Woodson going in this year became the 10th. Um, so we thought, man, look, wow, you know, what an incredible legacy that is to leave, to leave uh, uh, from a football standpoint. But uh, how great would it be if we all got together? And at this time, you know, a lot of natural disasters and that kind of stuff going on. And why, why can't we have a representative there? Why can't we have somebody? Why can't we as a group, get together, have some companies to to put money in our foundation that we can give to uh, these situations that are happening around our country. And uh, and with that, man, we, we sort of logged in and, and uh, me and Lee and a couple of years ago, we, had, we got another guy to come in, Mark Bluestein from Aquarius um, to uh, to come in and say, look, man, what you guys are thinking is is incredible, but there is a, a chance for a brand for branding and all that kind of stuff. So it, it sort of took it in a whole different direction. But at the same time, you know, we're partnering with the NFL Foundation, man, and uh, doing some incredible things there. Uh, we got some NFTs out there right now that uh, if anybody interested, you can go uh, and find find those. Uh, so uh, I, I just think, man, it's, uh, it's an incredible opportunity for us that more men have walked on the moon than have, a, than have accomplished this, this feat. So uh, it's something that we're really proud of. And uh, in 22, we're going to have a big, big uh, premiere. Uh, we're filming a documentary right now. And uh, so that, that premiere is going to happen at the Hall of Fame in 22. So we're looking forward to it. Congrats. I always That's love awesome. to ask uh, the great players, more special for you, playing on Friday, playing on Saturday, playing on Sunday. Well, my high school was so bad, I rarely played on Friday nights here in Dallas. So, so it wasn't Friday. <laughs> uh, four, we were 425 and one by three years on varsity. So, 
Uh, I didn't get too many Friday night uh, Friday night games, but um, Saturdays were were really special, man. You know, I mean, uh, to be able to play a home game and literally an hour and a half be sitting back in your dorm room, you know, and having everybody come by and congratulate you and uh, all that kind of stuff was, uh, you know, my last few years at Notre Dame was was phenomenal. You know, home games for me for the most part. Um, so it was uh, always good, you know, to be in that situation. You know, once you get to the pros, man, it, it's a job, bro. It's business. And if you don't treat it like that, you're not going to be in there too long, you know. So uh, even though there's a lot of enjoyment and you get making money and this kind of stuff, there's a lot, a lot of pressure uh, on that on that professional level, man. So uh, there's not a lot of relaxing. There shouldn't be anyway because uh, I, I know I'll tell you this story and I'll shut up, but um, – uh, my rookie year, I was having a really good rookie year, and uh, uh, we had had a game, and we were coming up Monday to walk through our mistakes or whatever, and a lot of guys, hey, Tim, man, that was a great job, but, you know, just give me a lot of praise, and Art Shell, who wasn't the head coach at the time, walked by, he said, uh, I don't know why you are uh, so excited, you know, we were talking uh, last night as a unit, we were talking about how we were going to replace you, uh, you know, last night. And I was like, I don't know if he was lying or not, but I mean, it, to me, it was like, oh, okay, I got to keep, I got to keep, I got to keep driving. I got to keep driving. So, uh, so there's no relaxing in, in the pro level. So I, I guess the answer to your question would be Saturday. Since you brought up art, does it, does it mean something to you to have played for the first African-American? It does. It, 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 it was, it was a major, major thing, man, that we talked about. And, uh, you know, thankfully we had guys like Howie who, who understood how big it was uh, for us to go out and represent, um, you know, art in a, in a, in a very good way, because if, if, if we didn't, then there's a chance that no one else would ever get that opportunity. And uh, we were happy. We made the AFC championship game. We, you know, we made the playoffs a couple of times and, um, you know, really put him in a position that, you know, at least other folks saw that, Hey, a black man can't do this. So um, I think it was, it was a great situation, but uh, yeah, that's, um, that's something that we are extremely proud of, man, that we, in some ways paved the way for all these guys who are getting opportunities now. Now, I want to ask you, with the Raiders, you played essentially half your career in L.A. You played mm -hmm. half of it in Oakland. Now the team plays in Las Vegas. <laughs> you almost have an identity crisis as a former player. <laughs> like, you know, you played in two different cities for years, and they're not in either city anymore. Well, I, and uh, while at the game, the question was, are my stats – L.A. Raiders, Oakland Raiders stats, or it's everything on the Vegas. And I was told everything is the Vegas Raiders now. So there is no more L.A. or Oakland Raiders stats, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, only the Raiders, bro. Only the Raiders can, can be in this situation. But um, um, it, it's really interesting what, it, what has happened with the organization. But, man, I tell you what, um, I, I was almost brought to tears, um, you know, for all the guys who – who, who weren't there and uh, was looking forward to this, this opportunity to be, uh, to see the Raiders in their own stadium, you know? And, um, you know, I mean, I know when I got to the Raiders in 88, it was, it was a main subject, 
You know, where's this team going to play? Who's going to build them a team? I mean, a, a stadium, where, where is it going to happen? And, and here we are 31 years later. Well, I guess, you know, um, it officially happened uh, uh, last year, 32 years later, I should say, uh, but uh, that they are planning their own stadium. Man. And, uh, and I, I just, I kept opening and closing my eyes. Like, am I really in the Raiders stadium with all this activity and, and all the entertainment they had there? It was, it was really just, uh, just amazing and, and uh, really good to see. That's interesting. Like, so you actually feel like Vegas is home for the Raiders. Like it just, it feels right. Almost. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that situation Monday night and, and maybe it was a Monday night deal. Who knows? We'll, we'll see in a couple of weeks when I'm back up there for, for the Miami game. And uh, if the energy is, uh, but I, from what I hear, and I've never been to a, a night's hockey game, but I hear those games are off the chain too with, with activities and everything they have going on, the music they're playing, um, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, if Monday night can be duplicated. But, you know, again, from what I'm hearing, it will be because that's the way Vegas does it. And, and if there's any if there's a city that could do that, that kind of entertainment, it's certainly going to be Vegas. I'm put you on the spot. Did you enjoy playing more in L.A. or in Oakland as a Raider? Uh, well, that, that's a tough question, only because, um, you know, I probably enjoyed the fan base more in Oakland than I did in L.A. Uh, because uh, L.A. is a very, very fickle town when it comes to sports. And um, if you're, you know, 84, you know, your last four games, you're going to have a full stadium. If you're 40, your last four games, you're going to have an empty stadium. You know, that's just the way it was. I mean, uh, in 88, 89, you know, uh, we were eight and eight those years. I think it was something like that. Um, you know, not so much, you know, a fan base in 1990, we got the thing rolling and, you know, we had hundreds, hundred thousand people at the stadium because it, it hadn't been renovated at the time. So, uh, you know, so I think from that standpoint, uh, but I love playing in LA because I had, uh, first cousins, um, who I had, you know, only would only see growing up you know, on our summer family reunions in Monroe, Louisiana, but I was literally able to see those guys all the time and they're, they're my age. Uh, so it was, it was a beautiful thing to be able to, you know, uh, rekindle a, a great relationship with them. Now they all moved to Dallas. So they're here with me. Uh, but uh, so, so I'm a little, I'm a little, you know, topsy turvy about which one I enjoy most. But uh, if you're talking about fan bases, then uh, I think we have to say Oakland. Tim, we appreciate the time, and we'll, we'll jump you out here in a second. But I just want to rewind back to the Art Shell part of the conversation, because there's because that's a conversation right now in the NFL. Can we get more diversity in the front offices? Uh, yeah, I, I'm just curious. Like, did you guys at the time? Did, was there like a sit down meeting? Like, hey, we are going to make sure this guy is successful, or was it kind of unspoken? Like, do you remember anything like that at the time? Yeah, uh, it was. It was definitely a sit down. It was a it was a team meeting without the coaches uh, that we we voiced, and that's why I brought up Howie because Howie was one of the guys who, who stepped up and said, "Look, uh, I'm obviously not an African American, but I understand the importance of of, of what's happening here." And um, so, from that standpoint, not that we wouldn't play hard for any other coach, but at you know at this particular point, you know, we need to make sure that we are, we're on our P's and Q's about what we need to do, man. So I, I think from that standpoint, 
Um, it, it was, look, I mean, how could you not talk about it? Because it was the biggest story in the NFL at that time. You know what I mean? That uh, an African-American was taken over as a head coach uh, of a team in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, that was not one of those, hey, you know, let's just go play football. That was something that we talked about. And, uh, you know, we knew the importance of what we were going to have to do from a discipline standpoint, right? Could, could we be, you know, look, we're the Raiders, so we're going to always get jacked up with the with the officials. You know, that's just how we think. But at the same time, you know, let's go out and present ourselves, you know, as guys who, you know, look, again, I mean, the, these are conversations you probably should have with, with any coach, but uh, I just think that um, uh, it was it was next level because of what was at stake uh, with, the, uh, with the hiring of uh, Archell. You know, last thing for me, I'm just curious, you know, to build off that. You guys in 1990, really good team. You get a bye week in the playoffs. You beat Cincinnati in that famous game where Bo Jackson gets hurt. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you go up to Buffalo and things go kind of sideways on you from the jump in the AFC title game. When you look back at your career, I mean, so many great moments. I don't mean that in a sour one. But is that maybe the biggest regret is not getting to the Super Bowl at shell, you know, one step away? Well, you know, unfortunately, uh, because of what was going on with Marcus Allen and and the Raiders at that time, uh, you know, when Bo went down, of course, you know, you lose a talent like Bo, you know, he's going to hurt your team. But you got a guy like Marcus Allen, who, you know, was relatively young and, you know, obviously uh, in, a, in a great position to, to step in and do what he had done his whole career. And, um, you know, the decision was made not to start Marcus Allen and to start Vance Mueller. And um, so, you know, when that happens, man, you know, look, not only does a team have to prepare to win a game, the organization, the, the coaches need to uh, prepare and the, and the owner needs to prepare also. And, uh, and when you make a decision from, from, the, from the owner position that I don't like this guy, so I'm not going to start him, uh, in this championship game, then the message you send to the team is, I, I want to win, but I want to win my way. And, you know, and I think, you know, anytime you have that kind of uh, seed of doubt in, in, a, in a player's mind, you know, some players may be able to get through it and get over it, but other players can't. And, you know, once things start to go bad, you know, it, it, you hear that, well, we don't deserve to win anyway type thing. You know, if they're going to treat Marcus that way, if they're going to do this, if they're going to do that. So, um, you know, so I, I think from that standpoint, man, you know, um, it was very disappointing that we couldn't make it happen. But at the same time, you know, we were, we were walking into, you know, a beehive anyway up in Buffalo. And uh, we just we didn't have the protection man, to, to be able to deal with it uh, mentally or physically at that particular time. All right, we'll end on this one since you brought him up. Was there any one Bo Jackson early moment like you're like, oh my God, this dude is totally different than anything I've ever seen? Uh, yeah, you know my my rookie year, um, we were playing the uh, Denver Broncos, and uh, we had this play, you know, uh, red right, uh, Z Z zoom Z uh, uh, red right zoom. Uh, which brought me from a Z in motion, Zoom was in motion, uh, 16 Bob Trail, right? And uh, Bob Trail tackle comes down, block in, comes around, the guard comes around, hits a tackle. My job was to come down and hit the safety. If everything went right, 
Bo Jackson should come right off my butt and be off to the races. And this particular play, everything went great. And I hit the safety and Bo comes off my butt. And I just said to myself, I'm a, I'm a go catch. I'm four, three. You know what I mean? I'm gonna go catch Bo Jackson, you know? So I put my head down, man. And, and when I looked up, I mean, it was comical how fast he was pulling away from me. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't understand how that was happening. So I just sort of like peeled off the field and just <laughs> ran off the field. And I came to the sideline. I was like, was I was I in mud? Was I running in mud or something? What what? And then Dave's like, dude, don't ever run behind him. Don't ever chase him. <laughs> because when you're looking at him film, he was pulling away so fast. And I, you know, look, I was four, I was legit four three coming out. And I could not believe how fast this guy was. So um, yeah, yeah. So never run behind Bo Jackson was the lesson I learned my fourth game into my NFL career. Oh, that's awesome. He was he was unbelievable. Yeah, he he clocked. Uh, I think legitimately he clocked like four oh nine or four four one forty. But in that infamous play uh, in in Seattle, where he you know ran through the tunnel, yep. they timed him from what they call the the moving forty, the thirty to the thirty, thirty to thirty, three eight six is what they clocked him at you know, in a moving 40. So, I mean, that's, you know, obviously ridiculous stuff, but, uh, but he was, he was that kind of freak of nature without a doubt. Tim, we really appreciate the time. Awesome to talk to you. And I, I'm super excited for H to H. I, I love docs like that. I'll, I I'm assuming yep. you guys are telling stories and all of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're looking forward to it, man. You know, again, um, it, it's going to be an incredible opportunity for us uh, to leave an incredible legacy off the field. You know, we, we've done all we can do on the football field, but uh, this is going to be a good opportunity for us to do something that maybe our kids and our kids' kids can can latch on to and, um, and uh, have this thing go on forever. Thanks so Thanks much, Tim, so for, uh, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, obviously, one heck of a career. Heisman Trophy winner, Hall of Famer, Tim Brown. Thank you for joining the Stacking the Box podcast. Appreciate it. <laughs> yep, right there. there right they the are. Not bad. Not many people have that on the map. Hold on, hold on, though. Hold on. This is the most impressive sports memorabilia that I have. This golf ball, this year at the TPC Sawgrass Island Hole, I had a hole in one. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> of all the things you got all the high the thing, you got a it trumps, it trumps all that forget all that stuff there it's all about the golf ball <laughs> the hell with the stuff you worked for for 30 years 30, exactly one shot baby that's one it. shot all right thank, all right, guys. thank you so much this was great and i uh, hope we'll hopefully talk to you down the line appreciate it hey appreciate you guys take care Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know. The average garage door is made up of 1.3-millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know. Your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know. A runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Thanks to our guy, Tim Brown. I love Tim Brown. 
that was that was a lot of fun there, Werner Ram. I'm a I am a I am a Tim Brown. I'd love to talk to him at least once a year, talk football type of guy after that conversation right there. No doubt. And I, I love the ending where he just he you know, Heisman trophy. Yeah, but got a hole in one on the island hole. <laughs> that that's amazing. Yeah, that that was hey. Things the things that matter in life. Ben Heisler matters. He's the managing editor at Bet Sided, which is sweeping the nation. Damn it! And uh, of course, working with our partner WinBet. Go to WinBet.com for all your gambling needs. All right, Benny, welcome in here. As we get to week three, we got what six games on the slate, and we're going to start with the Bengals at the Steelers. Pittsburgh's a four and a half point favorite. Totals four and four. There's breaking news as we're recording right now on Ben Roethlisberger with a pec injury, which uh, makes things even more interesting for this game. I bet this line's going to move a bunch. Uh, does it feel even? Can you jump in here, Ben? What do you think? It's a little bit concerning regarding Roethlisberger's status because going into this week, I, I thought the Steelers were one of my favorite bets of the week. This is a team that was very uncharacteristic in week two at home. You got the Raiders on a short week. They had that overtime win in week one. Uh, Perfect opportunity for the Steelers coming off a big road win to come home and take care of business against a team that's projected to finish last in the AFC West. Did not happen. Derek Carr for the third straight game through for over 350 yards and a couple of touchdowns. His 382 yards, guys, against the Steelers was more than 110 yards than the Steelers had given up in passing yards all of last year. So it was just a weird, uncharacteristic game for them. And I fully expected them to come in against the Bengals, who, remember, Joe Burrow gave up three straight turnovers to the Bears last week. I felt like this was going to be a perfect opportunity for the defense to bounce back. I still expect that to be the case. I'm leaning under in this game for now. Uh, But yeah, Ben Roethlisberger's health is going to be pretty serious. If he's able to go, I'll lean on the Steelers at minus four and a half. But uh, if he is unable to go, uh, just go ahead and take the under and grab it before the line really starts to dive out. My my initial reaction, first of all, I don't care about the peck injury. He can't throw the ball anyway. I I um my initial reaction was that this is a classic. The Steelers will bounce back. They will throttle Cincinnati. They'll win the game like twenty eight to seven. But then I thought about it a little bit more, even without the peck injury. They can't score. Like they have no ability to score a point. This was a problem for the Steelers last year. It's been a problem early this year. You say, oh, they won 23 to 16 in Buffalo. They, they, they got a block punt for a touchdown. They can't score. Like, I, I keep going. I, I think Cincinnati's going to cover this spread. I, I, I think Pittsburgh wins, but I feel like it's going to be something like 1917. And Chris Boswell's got to win it at the gun or something. Like, it's just, and Cincinnati's kind of weird. Like, I feel like offensively, they have the weapons to do some things. Now, the problem is, I don't know if they can block Pittsburgh. And that's where, if you want to take Pittsburgh to cover, I think that's where you get it. Like, they get to sack Burrow seven times, and this game just goes totally off the rails. But I just, I've watched every snap of the Steelers, and I think their offense is hideous. So I will actually take the four and a half points. Cincinnati's not good. And for the record, Verderam has been riding the Steelers even through 11 and 0 last year. Pretty much every week, you're like, eh. And then, by the way, you were proven right in the end. But, like, you. <laughs> they can't every, score every week they were winning you're like i still think they suck and and i guess and they did you, they you, won I one guess, playoff game I, I guess you won out all right chargers and chiefs 
Kansas City coming off a loss to the Ravens in an amazing Sunday night game. It was thrilling. I loved it. Um, I don't know how the Chiefs have become the Patriots for me, but somehow they have. Um, no disrespect to my friends in Kansas City, who are which is which is one which is you, Ben, uh, living in KC. A six and a half point favorite. Those Chiefs are with a fifty-five and a half point total. What do you got? So the Chiefs, despite how good they've been, and make no mistake, that's a team that, with Harrison Butker being one of the best kickers in the league, they went downfield in three plays, a couple big plays to Travis. Kelsey, we're in perfect position to get to the game-winning field goal. Uh, Andy Reid takes the ball out of Mahomes' hands, gives it to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He fumbles the rest of history. Baltimore is able to hold on and win that game. Big fourth down play for Lamar Jackson. But the Chiefs have been atrocious, and Ian McMillan wrote about this over at Betsided, at covering the spread over the last several games. Like, good teams win, great teams cover. Uh, and for as great as the Chiefs have been, they have not been a good covering team, especially during the second half of last year. Uh, and, and so far into the start of this season, they're 0-2 against the spread. I like the Chargers to hang around here. Uh, Justin Herbert came into the start of the season Number two at WinBet in MVP odds, it was him. Uh, number one was Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he slipped a little bit. I think this is an opportunity to maybe buy low on Herbert if you believe that he's going to be a, a viable MVP candidate. But I, I just can't trust Kansas City to cover right now, even after a, a bad loss against the Ravens where you'd expect them to be completely dominant. And Andy Reid has been dominant against the AFC West over the course of his time in Kansas City. I just don't trust them right now. And the Chargers have plenty of weapons and an improving defense. They did really well, I thought, against Dallas. So I, I like the Chargers to hang around here. Kansas, still, Kansas City still gets the job done. They still get the win. But I don't expect them to cover it all. The Chiefs are 1-12 against the spread in the last 13 games. That's right. That's the stat. The only game they've covered is the AFC title game where they beat the brakes off Buffalo. That's it. And you couldn't pay me to pick Kansas City to cover this spread. Has anyone seen them defensively? They're giving up 500 yards a game. By the way, here, here's a bet I would make 10 times out of 10 if I were a betting man. My God, tease the over and the point spread. Like, tease it for the Chargers. So just tease the Chargers up like 12 and a half and tease the over. And you, you, you're going to cash by halftime. I don't think the Chargers can stop Kansas City. Like Derwin James makes it interesting because I think he's the one guy who actually can put the clamps somewhat on Kelsey. They have nobody who can guard Tyree Kill. So I expect it to cheese. Look, they'll do what they do. They'll score 30-plus points because they're them. And I think they will win the game despite making me physically nauseous for three hours during it as they continue to just give up every play under the sun. Um, I think this is a game where it's like 38-33 – and you walk out of it, and if you're a Chiefs fan, you go, well, they won, but we still can't stop anybody. So we'll see. That being said, with the way they've been the last couple of years, I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they came out and won by 20. But they're just they're terrible defensively. I don't know how you could pick right now that they're gonna blow anybody out. I'm gonna make it my lock of the week, by the way, right here on Stacking the Box. Carm is telling you. You know what? You know what motivates teams? Bad losses. And the Chiefs just had a bad loss in front of everybody. I think Kansas City crushes the Chargers this week. If you can give me all the one and 12 in the last 13s, I'm going against both of you. It feels good. Kansas City by double digits over the, the fighting Herberts. All right. Um, just for the record here, I love being contrarian in the moment. Seattle is a two point favorite at Minnesota, which, by the way, Ben Heisler. 
Uh, you know what's going on at WinBet and around the NFL. You're the manager you get her at BetSided. How do we have three totals that are all 55 and a half this week? The Chargers. Like, how is that possible? 55 and a half for the Chargers of the Chiefs, Seattle, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, and the Rams as we're, as we're talking right now. Seattle's a two-point favorite, and there's that total, 55 and a half. It's really it's, – uh, it's an anomaly. We have an anomaly. Bit of an anomaly with three consecutive games that we're talking about all with a total of 55 and a half. But if you go look at historical trends, you know, 54, 55, 56, those are fairly common numbers. Just happens to fall on there at least for this week. I, this is a game that I'm really torn about because Seattle blew it against Tennessee last week. Uh, just completely let that one slip away. And then Derrick Henry took over in the second half. I, and I had concerns about him, guys, heading into the start of the season. Uh, there's a great stat about 2,000-yard rushers that the following year, they're usually down about 500-something yards the following season just because, for whatever reason, there's just too much strain on the body uh, after running that amount of times, but Henry looked outstanding in the second half. They relied on him. That's their bread and butter. Went back to what had been working and been effective for them. Uh, with Minnesota, they've hung tough in two games and they've let it slip away. You talk about week one, that overtime loss to Cincinnati on the road. Uh, same thing again. They go back on the road, uh, nearly pull it off against the Cardinals. Either things are going to unravel very quickly for Minnesota, or I think they have a dominating performance at home against the Seahawks. I'm leaning towards the unraveling side after two real bad losses. I, I'm going to fade the Carm perspective here. I, I like Seattle, especially with how well they played in the Dome in week one, to come to Minnesota and just trounce the Vikings defense. Oh, and three star Mike Zimmer on the hot seat in Minnesota. Yeah, I look forward Vikings to the Vikings just getting blown out of the building. You just can see this coming. Look, the Vikings have blown two games so far, they would no business losing. The Bengals game, they got themselves down. Then they almost won in overtime. Then they lost. Then the Cardinals game, if you haven't heard the Vikings radio announcers calling that, uh, that kick at the end, you need to go and listen to it right now, okay? Or at least on the podcast. So go, it, is, it is amazing. Um, I, I continue to look at Minnesota and say they have a lot of talent, but it just doesn't seem to play for them ever. Like, it, you know, I feel like for years I've looked at them and felt like they've had a lot of talent. And then you're like, oh, they won eight games. Okay. I don't know whether that's a Zimmer problem, a Cousins problem, a combination. You, you just talked about, Carm, you just mentioned, you think the Chiefs will crush, crush the Chargers because of the bad loss. Seattle had a much worse loss than Kansas City did. You're at home against a lesser team. Like, at least Baltimore is good. It's a road game, whatever. I mean, if, if anybody's going to come out pissed this week, it's Seattle. And you can't afford to start one and two in that division. Can't do it. So I, I think they come out and they win. All right. Let's go to, I guess, my favorite game of the week, although I love – there's a lot of good games this week. But Tampa Bay and the Rams is super interesting. Rams are a one-point favorite at home. Again, that total, 55-and-a-half. This is uh, NFC Championship, perhaps, preview theme. Uh, I like the Rams, but, Ben, where are you going? I'm fading the Rams here. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay, especially if I can get them as a, a one-point dog in this matchup. I think Brady going to Los Angeles isn't going to scare him. I, I think he's seen every single defensive front that you can play against him. And Brandon Staley is no longer there. So there's been some adjustments. And you saw the Rams not really play all that well on the defensive side. Any teams could have looked pretty good against the Bears defensively in week one. So I'm kind of tossing that aside. I think the Buccaneers are able to handle it. I think it's a close game. 
Uh, and there's this crazy stat going around. I think it was from, from Dove Kleiman who pointed out that Tom Brady is about, I think, 14 touchdowns away from the total amount of touchdowns he threw for in his 20s. And he's age 44 right now in his 40s. Like, what he's doing right now is flat-out insane. He continues to put up just impressive numbers, nine touchdowns for the first two games of the season. I just don't know after Jalen Ramsey tries to neutralize somebody, maybe it's Mike Evans, maybe it's Antonio Brown, maybe he moves around and covers Chris Godwin in the slot. You know, after that, I just don't know who they pick up. There's just too many weapons for Brady to be successful. And if you're the Rams, you're not going to be able to run on them, you know, whether it's Daryl Henderson, whether it's Sonny Michelle. And do you want Stafford throwing 40, 50 times? He's capable, but then it's the, the Matt Stafford of old in Detroit. I like the Buccaneers to cover here, especially, especially as underdogs. I think the Rams are going to win the game. And my reasoning is Tampa is not going to go 17 and out. This is one of the toughest games they're going to play all year. And the Bucs quietly have been garbage on defense first two games of the year. They have not been good. Now their run defenses, but teams have just said, well, the hell with that. Let's just throw it. And Tampa is not stopping. I mean, teams have just, you know, the, the Cowboys and the Falcons both. Ran up a lot of points on him, just throwing the ball. Now, of course, the Falcons being the Falcons also graciously threw two pick sixes at the end of the game. Uh, you know, they, they, they couldn't let things get too close. But I think Stafford's going to throw for a lot of yards in this game. I really do. Um, I always – the one thing with Brady I always worry about is if you can get – and this is really with any quarterback, but especially an immobile one. If you can get pressure up the middle, that's when you can start to cause a problem. Well, you have Aaron Donald. Like, if anybody can get pressure immediately up the middle of the field, it's him. I think this is a great game. I think it lives up to the hype. I think the Rams win by, like, a field goal. I'm already excited about this one because – and I don't know what it's going to take for me not to want to fade the Buccaneers. Even though they won the Super Bowl last year, I still don't buy them, which is completely moronic, admittedly. But there's just is, something yes. – I, I don't know what it – you know, just Brady, I just think he's overrated. The guy never did anything. All right, Green Bay and, and San Francisco. The Niners, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The total of this one's 49. Bay Ben, are the pack back, baby, routing the Lions? Aaron Rodgers t- telling the trolls to shut it. Uh, do, we feel, do we feel a resurgent pack? First of all, if anything goes viral from this week's edition of Stacking the Box, I hope it's Carm going, Tom Brady. What has he done? What has he done in his career? And that there's just no context, nothing whatsoever, just blows up the internet, explodes. I, I saw a TikTok last night. This like 10-year-old did like was talking about how winning's overrated, and it's got like 700,000 views, and it was basically the take. I should have done it. Brady, overrated. Gimme Rogers. Okay, we can do that another time. Go ahead, Ben. No, the, the kid's been watching a little bit too much Ted Lasso, and uh, wins and losses no longer are applicable for this kid. I don't know if the Packers are back because there's still some major concerns, but I I do like them, especially as three and a half point underdogs on the road at San Francisco. It's been a place where Rodgers has struggled historically over the last several years. You think back to the NFC championship game from a couple of years ago, but Robert Sala no longer there. It's kind of what we just talked about with the previous game, Uh, new defensive coordinator in place and teams are trying to start to, figure some things out as they adjust to their new coordinator. So I don't anticipate Rodgers going out to San Francisco or Santa Clara, wherever that stadium is and blowing out the 49ers are still a really talented team. But right now the 49ers have no running backs that are healthy. I mean, they're going to like their, their sixth or seventh string guys. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Ayuk still hasn't gotten involved in the offense yet. And that's a very solid weapon for them. 
you know, the 49ers are a really good team, um, but I don't look at anything that they've done so far this year as particularly impressive, especially letting the Lions hang around in, in week one. So I, I think the Packers come in. Rodgers finally gets himself going through the air. He had some great throws on Monday night. I, I do like Green Bay, especially as three and a half point underdogs in that game to be able to cover uh, on Sunday night. I don't know who I'm going to pick to win yet. I haven't figured that out. I got to I got to make my picks by they go out Thursday morning. Um, I think the Packers cover. I will say, though, the one thing that concerns me in this game for the Packers, their offensive line has not been very good. And the Niners can get home. The Niners have guys in Armstead and Bosa up front who can get home and cause problems. Now, here's the flip side of this. That's why I think they'll cover. Garoppolo doesn't scare anybody, especially if they can't run the ball. And their corners are terrible. Like, now you've got Verrett's hurt. He's out for the year. You've got Emmanuel Mosley, who's, who's questionable right now. He's banged up. Lenore, Josh Norman. Like, it's just a bunch of guys, man. Like, I, that is – if they can't get to Rodgers, he's going to go nuts. I mean, that, that's the concern. So, I think they will cover. I, I know that Shanahan is going to do something. Anybody on that team that's a running back is going to have a decent game because Shanahan will just scheme it that way. And the Packers front seven is awful, but I, I do. I am leaning toward picking the Packers to win. I definitely picking them to cover. All right. Last one, y'all NFC's battle. It's an all-time classic. I feel like we should get summer all in Madden going on here. Eagles, Cowboys, Dallas, a four point favorite, the fighting Prescott's maybe the class of the NFC's that we were talking about earlier, 51 and a half point, the total here. You buying it on Dallas, Ben? I, I think the line is set perfectly for this game. I do think as the week goes on, you're going to see the Cowboys go back to being those trendy favorites that they weren't in week one, but ended up becoming in week two. And they rewarded the betters. They were three-point dogs on the road against the Chargers, ended up winning outright. So now the public is back on America's team, and I think they're going to move this line to either four and a half, possibly even five, especially with the Eagles uh, not taking care of business late in the second half where they kind of let this slip away. I, I'm, a, I'm a buyer. I talked to you guys about this in Jalen Hurts. I think he's a really good quarterback. I think he's set up in a scheme that's effective for him, and it's another one of those situations where – uh, you know, Nick Sirianni has proven to be the coach that may not win the press conference, but may actually win a few more games than you expect him to. Uh, I, I think the play for me in this game is the over on 51 and a half. I expect Dallas to be yeah. more of the offensive team that we saw from them in week one against Tampa. Uh, I, I thought the Chargers game plan them really well, and I thought they made some you – know, not real bad mistakes, but they just didn't move the ball that we're normally used to seeing from them. And conversely, I don't think their defense is as good as it looked in week two as well. I, I think this is going to be a back and forth game. You're going to see some big plays from Amari Cooper, from CeeDee Lamb on the Dallas side. Maybe Tony Pollard continues to have another big part of his season. And for Philadelphia, we've already seen some great deep plays from Devontae Smith, from Jalen Rager as well. I think you might see a little bit more Miles Sanders in this game. Like, so many big plays are happening that it's hard for me to look at this total of 51 and a half and feel like the line is too, is just not big enough. Like there needs to be more points in this game. So I like the over as opposed to taking a side for Monday night football. By the way, when the chiefs play Dallas, uh, the over under should be set at about 78. Um, so Still take over. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, the punters, why even dress? Just get another receiver out there. Um, so 
I like the Cowboys to win, but I like the Eagles to cover this game. Like I, you're you're so right, Ben, in the sense that like the the public, they love Dallas. Oh, you you get all those those casual betters who are just Cowboys fans from the Aikman Smith Irving, you know, Emmett Smith days who just they love them. I watched that Steelers Cowboys game, and you look at the score, and you're like, oh, 2017, some good defense. If you watch that game. It was a horrifically played game defensively with Herbert throwing two mind-numbing picks and then a bunch of a bunch of penalties that that stopped promising drives. That game could have easily been 38-35. So I agree with you on the over. I love that opinion. I'm with you. Um I think I think it's one of those games where Dallas is always up by like nine. And then at the end of the game, like Philly will just jam one in the end zone. They'll lose you know, 30 to 27. I think Philly's going to cover. I think Philly's actually better than I thought. I thought Philly was going to be really bad this year. I don't think they're an above 500 team, but I think they're going to win you know, seven games or so, which is not bad. Not bad for a rebuilding team. Hurts gets hurt. Minshew comes in. Eagles win the East, and they're a surprise playoff team. Watch out for Gardner Minshew when he gets his chance out of Jacksonville. 37-11 as a Jaguar. 37 touchdowns, 11 picks. Nobody likes that. That wasn't his record. I understand. Exactly. Um, why Why you would want – I listen, Minshew's as fun as anybody for like a game or two. Why you would want to lose the the beauty that is Jalen Hurts on a football field for Gardner Minshew, Carmen's beyond me. Carmen's been out of his mind for this. I, I, don't think, I, I don't think there is any, wants Gardner Minshew. I don't think there is anything more beautiful than Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew goes cross country in an RV. Gardner Minshew pull, pulls up at the Super Bowl and sits with Carmen as a grand interview. Gardner, I, it is, I'm completely, utterly biased from just my one 15 minute hang with Gardner Minshew, but he's guys, he, he was, he was a good quarterback in Jacksonville. Look what Trevor Lawrence is doing down there right now. Minshew mania, bring him to a city near you. Give me, in his prime, my guy for all time. Um, how is it, how is his name slipping my mind, Ben? Not Jay Cutler, but no oh, idea where you're going with this. Yeah, I, another former Bears quarterback. No, who 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 came off the bench for Cuddy and was Josh McCown? Josh McCown. He's my Josh McCown to to the tenth power. That's right. Or, or as a Chicago sports radio caller would call him, Josh Josh McNown. You get this McNown guy in there. That guy's unbelievable. I loved McCown. I was a McCowney. McCowan, McCowan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Five different ways to pronounce his name. Ben, good stuff, brother. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Good luck. Thanks, man. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Wrap it up, stack in the box. Vertram, I know you want to talk about your Knicks, but I got two things for you. Are you ready for this? Yes. All right, number one. I had my car that wasn't working towed to Highland Park, Illinois, where I grew up. Okay. And it was towed there on a Sunday and the dealership wasn't open and they parked my car on the street and I ended up getting a ticket because you couldn't park on that street. <laughs> and so I was very irritated and I got, and I, so I didn't pay it and I got in the mail a credit 
Bureau coming after me for now a $50 ticket plus a $9.50 collection fee. So I called up Highland Park yesterday and I said, hey, I filed an appeal, which I'm not exactly sure if I did or didn't do, but I think I did. I'm pretty certain I did. Filed an appeal, never heard anything. This is what happened. And they said, sir, let me get back to you. And Highland Park called me back where I grew up, 60035. They called me back and they said, sir, we are dismissing this ticket, which never happens. So the people of Highland Park and the incredibly pompous crew that I grew up with, you came through, baby. I appreciate you. That's one. Yes. No, I I will just say, I thought you were going to say they called you back and said, is this the Mark Harmon who grew up here? And when you <laughs> said yes, he said, we're going to double your fine. Yeah, they, well, they, they should have. Is this, is this the guy <laughs> that, sure. that ran through stop signs and uh, da, 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 and was not your ideal HP citizen? Uh, I got one more for you. And this is a name Maybe. that you will, you will never hear probably anywhere, but I want to I salute him on stacking the box. Uh, one, one of my, I've, I, I do, I got four games this year where I'm doing sideline for the Northwestern Wildcats. All right. They have a senior, they played Duke this week. They lost to the blue devils. It was disgusting, but so their, their five-star recruit transfer comes in there, throws three of the worst interceptions I've ever seen in the first half. They bring in the senior Andrew Marty, who hasn't got any opportunity to play except for as dusting up as a sophomore. He played against Illinois and beat the Illini in a year that Northwestern won three games. I'm like, that guy looks kind of good. And then they had a grad transfer the next year, never played. And here he is and he gets in and he flips the whole game around. He, he takes them down the field. It's 27, nothing. Now it's 27, seven Duke gets a field goal at the half 30 to seven. He starts out the second half right down the field, 30 to 14 cats get a turnover. They push it in. They go for two, don't get it, 30-20. And then he's driving them again, and he's playing phenomenal. And he's on the sidelines, he's yelling at his teammates, it's too easy, it's too easy, let's go. I'm, like, I'm loving this kid. He, he runs off a busted play. He's picking up seven, eight, ten yards, and then he gets the living crap kicked out of him, falls to the ground, he pounds on the turf, and he walks off the field, and he's carrying his shoulder, and it's like a separated shoulder. I don't know exactly what happened. And now, like, career done. Like, he's a senior. I don't, I don't know if he's even, you know, eligible to, to get a red shirt. And I'm like, this guy for, like, two quarters, you know, you felt like you could do it at the top level. Like, I'm thinking to myself, like, maybe this guy could be a third-string quarterback in the NFL, and then it's just over like that. So Andrew Marty, if that's a thought in your head, I saw you, man. You he was playing football for the Ram. It was a, it was a beautiful thing to watch. I was loving it. Good that stuff. That sucks. That sucks too, right? That does suck. It like, does. Really? I, I I uh I hate to hear that. That that does suck. That's a good shout out by you. Good call. Love to hear that, you know, that kind of spirit, the competitiveness. Um, I will, if I could, backtrack for a second to your first initial story about you getting a ticket. <laughs> Um, so this reminds me of something that I did in college that I was getting away with for a long time and then got, got caught. So we had designated lots with the park in, I had my, my old Jeep Grand Cherokee up there. And so as we go at the park and the the way it was, was like, you walked out of, well, at least I walked out of my dorm hall building. And then there was like a, a, a quad field that was basically the size of like a football field in, in front, um, 
with just a, a, a little causeway road in between the hall and the field. And then on the other side of the field, is another road and then the, the, the lot. Now that's fine in October, but when you're freezing to death in February and you can't walk in the field because there's eight feet of snow in Oswego, New York, it's bad news, right? So right in front of the building where the road is, a little causeway there, you can park in, in the, one of the spots in the front for 45 minutes. It's a limit. You don't move your car, you get a $20 ticket, right? Just campus police. So I parked out in front one day. I thought about it. I was like, I'm going to purposefully get a ticket. I'm going to leave the car there. I don't care, right? Miserable. It's probably 10 degrees, snowing sideways. So I get the ticket. I then took that ticket and left it underneath my windshield wiper for like months on end. If I was driving the car, I would just take the ticket and put it in the passenger seat. And then I would park the car back in front and I just slap the ticket back underneath the windshield wiper. This worked for months, for months. Cop, you know, police would go by, they'd see the ticket. Oh, we already got him. They just keep going. One day I go out there and there's a second ticket. Oh. And the guy wrote on the back of it, well done. Nice try. <laughs> For like three months, it was worth the money. It was great. I had like I had like valet parking right in front. Um, it was worth every. I didn't even try to appeal. I just I sent in forty bucks. You know that, That's that's a good police officer right there. Yeah, he got a good laugh. He got a good laugh. He was my. He was also my uh, history professor. So he he knew me a little bit. And I'm sure when he saw the name come up, he's like, yeah, that figures. And then just laughed. And it's like, here's your ticket. <laughs> but um, that was, that was fun. Uh, well worth the money to save me from all those cold nights. Um, all right. The other thing, which I was going to get to originally, I don't know if you're aware, Carm, it is September 21st. We are like two and a half weeks away from the Knicks. Okay. Back in camp. October 5th is their first preseason game. Get that train rolling. And then October 20th, so less than a month away, taking on the Celtics at the Garden. They're trash. We look to put them in, in the can where they belong, okay? And the Knicks are coming for second place in the division. Now, they have no shot of catching Brooklyn. None, unless, unless Kyrie decides to try to prove that the earth is flat and he takes off like 60 games and Durant, unfortunately, gets hurt or something. Otherwise, they're going to win 70 games. However, the Knicks are better than Toronto, at least I think. I believe they're better than Boston. I truly do. They're not better than Philly. But now Ben Simmons says he'll never play another second for the 76ers and wants out. Now, I don't know what the return is going to be for him, but I'm guessing it's going to be less than what it should be, considering they have no leverage anymore. And Embiid's amazing. But he's also got injury history. And the rest of that team, like, I don't know, like good, but not unbelievable. Knicks, October 20th, waxed the Celtics to get the thing rolling. And then it, we're on our way to 50 plus, baby. Let's do it. All right. Hey, listen, I, I you know, I, I got my Chicago Bulls media day email. It's, 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 it's next Monday. Here we come. The NBA was silent for all of five seconds. I'm fired up. How good uh, are your Bulls? How not good? good. Not. I mean, you don't. You don't buy them. I've seen some people say they're the third best team in the conference. Get the f out of here. No, no. Uh, I, I'm not saying they're not a playoff team, but they're a playoff team with zero upside. 
DeMar DeRozan, old. Uh, who, let's, let me think. I, I don't. I like the Lonzo Ball signing for the Bulls because he fits yep. in their timeline. That's all well and dandy. But all these guys are old. Vooch, who they traded for last year, Vucevic, early 30s. Where, where is this team going? Would you Nowhere. give Zach Levine Nowhere. Match? What's that? Would you max out Levine? Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, I think Levine, I would too. But I just I've seen some people argue that both sides. I mean, listen, if somebody wants to give me a phenomenal deal for Zach Levine, he's certainly not untradeable. But it, it, barring that happening, I'm signing Zach Levine. Yes, but I just don't know. Um, I think they're just trying to be competitive, put some butts in the seats, make the Reinsdorf family happy. Um, I wish they had brought Derrick Rose back to the fray. Didn't happen. Go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Can't. By the way, my favorite commercial of the last like three months is a commercial. It's about Candace Parker, great WNBA player, of course. The commercial features Derrick Rose and Patrick Mahomes. It was like made for me at this point. Um, but I, I'll ask you this real quick. I saw on the ringer, I believe it was the Bill Simmons podcast, but it was definitely one of their pods. Um, they float out a trade. I thought it was interesting. I meant to ask you about this. Zach Levine for, for Ben Simmons, straight up. I wouldn't trade. Uh, I don't know if I trade Kobe White for for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons blows, and he he's, and he gets thirty five million dollars a year for a guy who can't shoot and seemingly doesn't care. This whole concept that Philly's going to get some big package for Ben Simmons, I ain't giving up I have nothing. For Ben Simmons, Sean Daly, you are producer here, who's a huge Philly guy. Nothing. I wouldn't want him. Not worth what he's getting paid. Would wouldn't touch him with anything. Let's bring let's bring in the producer real quick. Sean, thoughts on Ben Simmons? Excellent regular season player. So if Carmen, if you're trying to make the postseason for the first time in however many years, I'm not, not a bad move. But I'm not. Don't care about making the postseason. Well, yeah. that's that's quite the attitude out of Carm. I I will say, I wouldn't trade him either, um, for for Ben Simmons. But I I asked it only because he does play great defense, and I don't think the Bulls can stop anyone. So in that they're, sense, they're they're better yeah. defensively now with with Ball and DeRozan on the perimeter than they were, but they still can't protect the paint. Anyway, All right, we gotta go. Looking over. forward to the Knicks, baby. Cannot yeah. wait. Let's get it done. Let's wax the Celtics. Yeah. Uh, Hey, thank you so much for listening to Stack in the Box. We we really, really appreciate it, especially to anybody who made it this far. You are a hero, and and you deserve a gold medal slash anything else we can give away. Uh, Verter, actually, any any listeners you need to shout out that we didn't do today? I was literally – I'm checking the reviews right now. I, I want to make sure if we, if we didn't, I really apologize. Uh, let's see. Um, we have – one, we have uh, Josh, the man, yes, the man, who is, I know commented before, says, I'm not punting on my Packer pick. Rough start. They'll write the ship this week. Lock of the week. Packers cover versus Lions. He should have stopped there. He then says, Chiefs cover versus Ravens. Uh, Josh, it should have happened, buddy. And he liked the Titans to cover against the Seahawks. So, two out of three. Not bad. Thank you nope. for the review. Really appreciate it. Good work. We will see you all next week. Enjoy week three. Repeat after me. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. It's a Jamie from Progressive. Shh, Jamie. No, it's all right. I can talk. Progressive protects you 24-7, which means you can contact us anytime. Hmm. I'm getting a loud shh sound, so I'm going to talk louder. What can I help you with today? Uh-huh. 
Oh, yeah, Progressive can do that. Shh. Ugh, there's that noise again. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.